When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Best in the World podcast with Richard Parr. Hello and welcome to The Best in the World with Richard Parr. This week I speak to the reigning pole vault Olympic champion, Katerina Stefanidi. I really enjoyed this conversation with the Greek athlete. She's definitely a fun person. You can tell that in the conversation. Really upbeat, really light. And I think what I like about this chat with Katerina is that She's someone who is just confident in what she's doing, you know. The way she talks about being a successful pole vaulter at an early age and how that's kind of set her up for life. And talking about being a well-rounded person and we talk about how she studied psychology at Stanford and then also went on to ASU in Arizona. We cover a whole load of different things in this conversation with Katerina. We also talk about her success at the Rio Olympics, how the Athens Games helped inspire her just a little bit more to become an athlete in pole vault. We also talk about her family and we talk about the relationship with her husband who is also her coach. We definitely learn a lot from Katerina on this week's program. Plus, we look ahead to the World Championships in London and her confidence of performing well at that event. All of that is on today's Best in the World with Richard Parr. Just before we get to the conversation, I want to say about Audible. Audible is one of the leading suppliers of audiobooks in the world. They've got over 180,000 titles for you to choose from. I've got a few books which I've got lined up that I I want to listen to soon. I've got 10% Happier by Dan Harris, The Chimp Paradox by Steve Peters, Bad Science by Ben Goldacre, and The Artist, Being Iniesta by Andreas Iniesta. I'm going to be listening to all of them. They're locked and loaded, and I'm getting ready to learn. And you know what? You could have the opportunity of learning from these amazing people as well. And you can do that for free. All you've got to do is go to audibletrial.com forward slash best. That's audibletrial.com forward slash best. And then you can check out their service for 30 days for free. And included in that is one free audiobook download. So you could download any one of those four, listen to it, and then let me know if it's any good. You can do that by sending me a tweet at Richard underscore par. If you want to get that free 30-day trial of Audible, just go to audibletrial.com forward slash best. All right, let's do it. Let's listen from the very best. It's time to speak 
to Katarina Stefanidi. The Best in the World podcast with Richard Parr. Katarina Stefanidi, welcome to The Best in the World with Richard Parr. Pole vault Olympic champion from the Rio Olympics. So great to have you on the program. Lots to cover on today's podcast. But I've got to start with something that I read just before we did this interview. And of course, pole vault, you're climbing lots of metres. But I read the other day that you are scared of heights. Is this true? Uh, Yeah, it's true. I will say that uh, my husband has been trying to push my limits a little bit more. I mean, I'm not deathly scared of heights. It's certain situations where I can actually hurt myself. Uh, Well, I don't know. I shouldn't say that because even inside buildings, I get pretty scared. I just, what happens is I get dizzy and I'm sure a lot of people get dizzy, but they don't freak out, but I get dizzy and then freak out. So then (laughs) I'm worried that I'm going to fall. So it is true, but um, my husband and I are flipping our house actually. So there's ladders and scaffolding everywhere. And at first I would go up to maybe the third step of the ladder. And I have been really working up to like the fifth and sixth step, which I know sounds ridiculous, but it's, it's a big step for me. And so, like I said, he's been definitely pushing my limits, but there's definitely a fear of heights there. So how can you do the pole vault? Surely that's, that's the scariest, that's a lot more scary to me than it would be climbing a ladder no yeah but you know what I think I I started very young I started at 10 years old and I mean pole vaulting is second nature to me in fact my husband who also coaches me now he always jokes that I run better with a pole in my hands than without (laughs) so I think it's just such a natural thing for me to do and I feel so controlled doing it that I don't get scared. Of course, I think also I don't have time to get scared. You know, by the time we go up in the air, we're landing on the pit. So I think that helps a little bit too. But I do feel a lot more in control when I'm pole vaulting than when I'm up on a ladder. And for some reason, I think I'm going to slip and fall off. <laughs> and at least with pole vaulting, you've, you've got those mats at the bottom. I guess with a ladder, you've only got the hard floor. So That is true. Yeah. <laughs> So you mentioned that your husband is also your coach. How does that dynamic work for you both? You know, it has it has turned out really good. We started it the year before Rio. So our first year working together was the Olympic year. We were teammates before. And I mean, as teammates, you always talk to each other and help each other. And I can always tell whatever he was telling me always helped more than whatever any coach or anybody else will tell me so I knew that from a technical background we were very similar uh and he did he he grew up with a coach that had like what we call in the povo the Petrov model or the Russian model maybe um of technique and I grew up the exact same way too so we definitely had a very similar technical background and then he has studied sports science, so everything we did in training was based on like scientific papers and like things that made a lot more sense. Not just like, oh, I'm a coach and I have experience and this works, but it made me trust what we were doing in training a lot more. So I think that helped a lot. But in terms of the husband and wife and coach and athlete relationship, it has been no problem. In fact, 
I think that it's actually good for a relationship because when we get angry at each other, it's more of like a coach athlete being angry at each other. And then we go in the car to go back home and we're back to our normal and we forget about pole vault. Ah, oh, okay. That's good. Um, so you've been working with him now in, in the, in the, in the coach way since 2015 and of course 2016 was an amazing year for you obviously becoming an olympic champion was there anything in particular that you guys did um to change your training routine which you think helped um improve your success in 2016 um yes i think so so again like i said i grew up in a, a little bit different environment uh, where we focused a lot more on what I would say quality, so technique work and mechanics and all that. And when I came to the U.S., um, we kind of lost focus a little bit. Uh, and I, I mean, I think it was good for me to kind of see a different perspective where it was more about lifting and training hard and sprinting hard. But I don't think I'm that kind of athlete. I think the reason I'm I'm good at what I do is because I'm a good pole vaulter, not necessarily a great athlete. Mm. So when I started working with Michigan, we kind of went back to the base. Like we put more focus on being a good pole vaulter, on jumping technically correct. So I think that made me again trust it more and it kind of felt more familiar, you know, that's what I did growing up and when I had most of my success growing up. So I think that helped a lot. But like I said, again, with Mitch, we did a lot of a lot of our training made a lot more sense in terms of peaking at the right time. And I will say I did a lot less lifting, a lot less heavy running. And I mean, if you see pole vault, it's an explosive event, right? We don't want to be weight lifters and we don't want to be distance runners. We want to be able to run fast for 20 or 30 meters. And a lot of the training I had done before since I moved in the U.S. didn't make 100% sense in terms of what are we trying to accomplish in our event. So I would say two things. First of all, like I said, the technique. We focused a lot more on the technique again, and I feel like I started pole vaulting better and being more efficient with it. And in terms of the physical part of it, we we changed some things, did a lot more explosive and short and not quite as heavy lifting and running. And I think that helped me a lot, and it kept me healthier as well. Hmm. And I, one of the other things I read as far as the uh, actual events is that you changed your philosophy towards qualifiers. Could you just explain what, what you did there? Yeah, so I mean, I have generally been a pretty good championship athlete since I was young. I was competitive. I always did pretty good, but I always had a little bit of trouble with qualifying rounds. Uh, for us, it's prelims, so we all go in. There is usually qualifying standard, but very rarely do we have to jump that high. So pretty much we keep jumping until there's 12 girls left. And a lot of the time it will be a pretty low high for me. Uh, so I would go into the competition thinking, oh, this is pretty easy. I only have to jump a foot under my, you know, 30 centimeters under my bed. So it didn't sound that hard, but that attitude going in, I was not prepared to have a real competition. And I have had some bad prelims most of the time it turned out okay where I figured it out and still qualified a couple of times I didn't uh so one of the things we changed was going into the prelim as if it's the final so in most of my meets last year I was starting at about a height of four meters 60 
And what a lot of people, I think, do wrong is they go into the prelim starting a four meter sturdy. And I used to do the same thing because you're thinking, oh, it's the prelim, it's easier. But I think you, you need to see it as just any other competition. So that's kind of what we did last year. And, and I think it worked out because you... I mean, it might be a little easier going into the prelim and having to jump a little lower, but pole vault is not like the 100 meters where you can just run a little slower. We can't just run a little slower. We still have to run at the same speed, take off, bend the pole, you know, go upside down. So you can't do a half pole vault. So I think it helped a lot going into the prelims with that attitude that is another meet and I'm still trying to jump as high as I can even though most likely they will stop us around 450 or 460. Mm. Sounds like all or nothing there. Yeah. So what about when you're training because a few of the athletes we've had on this program before in particular the one which comes to mind is Brian Clay the decathlon champion from 2008. He said that he would often train even harder and, and compete even harder in training than he would at meets. Now, when you have that mindset as I need to do my best in the qualifiers, in the prelims, is that something you you can also do in training or or do you need to be a little bit more careful in training? Um, I will definitely say I'm I'm quite the opposite of that. (laughs) I I don't know if you've ever talked to Kim Collins, but I do really love what he says. And he is one of his Spikes interviews, actually, he said that, the biggest mistake people do is they train too hard and he's 40 years old now and he's still competing at a high level. And I, I truly believe what he says. You cannot train at a hundred percent every day. Your body will, I mean, maybe for a few years, maybe you can, but you will not have a long career. And, and I think I came from a background like that. Like I said, we focused a lot more on quality and jumping correctly. And I didn't have to run or lift too much as long as I can pole vault correctly it was okay um I think now I have found a balance between what I would call the European way of training and the American way of training um but I definitely I don't think you need to go all out in terms of effort I practice so we 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 train hard and every time I'm jumping I'm trying really hard to to you know get the the perfect jump but I'm not necessarily running all out or, I mean, most of the time you're also tired from the training of the day before. So I I wouldn't say that. I would say that at practice, I try to get the right motions, the right technique. And when the competition time comes and you're starting to rest a little bit from the training, I think it all comes together. Okay, perfect. Yeah, we need to get Kim Collins on the show at some point in the future. It'd be great to learn from him. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. 
Expires April 30th. One-time use only, not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5hourenergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. The best in the world podcast with Richard Parr. More from Katarina in just a moment, but I wanted to just remind you that the Best in the World with Rich Part is now part of the Sportachino Network. We've also got a wrestling video cast going on every Wednesday at 3 p.m. British Standard Time. We'll also be returning with a new football show when the season returns in August. Do not miss that. And to make sure you do not miss it, please go and like the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Sportachino. Also subscribe to us on YouTube and also just check out the website, sportachino.com. It's got all of our previous episodes, all of our different shows, our current wrestling show, and of course, the best in the world with Richard Parr. Talking about the best in the world, let's return to my conversation with Katarina Stefanidi, the Olympic pole vault champion. The Best in the World podcast with Richard Parr. What about your diet? What's that like? What are you normally eating? Um, That has been a big challenge for me throughout my career. Uh, I started gaining some weight around 16, 17 years old, which is pretty normal, I think, for a female athlete. Uh, but my coach and dad and father uh, kind of pushed me a lot with many dietitians. So, of course, I ended up getting even more weight. So I have struggled a lot with it. But the last few years, I have realized that, I mean, you know, what everybody says is it's a, it's a lifestyle change. You can't just try to diet for a couple of months and then go back to eating bad. And to make a lifestyle change, you have to do it very slowly. So for me... I slowly started changing my breakfast, for example. I used to eat cereal every day. Um, I started eating one day cereal, one day oatmeal. Then maybe two days oatmeal, one day cereal. And I slowly maybe transitioned into only eating oatmeal for breakfast and maybe sometimes some mornings eggs. So, it, I mean, it took me months to, to, to just switch my breakfast. But I think to make it a lifestyle change, you need to take it slow like that. And after we changed my breakfast, we started adding a couple more meals in my day because I used to eat three big meals, you know, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Um, so I, we started adding some sm- smaller meals in between so that my bigger meals are not quite as big. Uh, so that took a long time as well. And then I would say the biggest change was taking the carbs out of dinner. So I would say five out of seven days a week, we eat some sort of a protein and salad for dinner without any carbs. Um, the other two days, I would say we may add some carbs, but again, nothing too crazy. So for me, the biggest change was adding more meals 
so that I'm not getting hungry, too hungry throughout the day and then wanting a really big meal. And then cutting out the carbs at night and adding more carbs in the morning. I felt better at practice having more energy eating oatmeal in the morning instead of cereal. Mm, yeah I, I'm completely with you about it takes time to kind of wean yourself off things it, it took me two years to get off sugar in my tea I went yeah. one year, one year <laughs> two teaspoons then the next year one teaspoon then finally went to to no teaspoons as, and as I'm drinking my tea now I'm, I'm really enjoying it um you mentioned <laughs> your father there he was originally your coach um but of course he was a Greek champion and and your mother was also a Greek champion triple jump and, and sprinting um was it were you just brought up in an athletic household was it was it sports and athletics all the time yes yes very much <laughs> um growing up even my grandma who actually had not really done any sports when she was younger growing up she started running the marathon so I mean it, it was a little crazy and my dad also very competitive I would say between my dad and my mom he was a little more talented they were both on the Greek national team but I think he had maybe higher dreams but they found this problem with his heart when he was about 20 and they made him stop but he actually ended up going to play going on to play professional basketball in Greece so yeah so yeah definitely lots of sports in my family Um, I remember from a very young age we would go to the beach in the summer and my dad would draw lines in the sand and make me sprint in between and long jump and and you know of course you're not just running like there's timing involved there's how far did you jump so it was always like that and then my dad's side of the family they had kids our age so we would always compete and play soccer um I mean we definitely did lots of sports but I will say track was pretty big and my dad was actually not my coach but he did push me towards track from a very young age I would say second or third grade he started taking me to um we call them mini competitions there's just little kids and they split us up by um you know what grade we're in and we compete and I would say about second or third grade I started going to these and I will most I was really fast I would say that was my natural talent so he will make me sprint and long jump mainly a couple of times I had to run a thousand meters and it was the worst decision I've ever made <laughs> um, but other than that I sprinted and long jumped and I remember one particular competition actually that the guys went first, all the heats of the guys went first, and then we went, and I was, I think, in the last heat of the girls because of my personal best, and we finished, and I heard one of the officials say, oh my god, that girl ran faster than the guys. So I, I definitely had some speed and explosiveness in me. Uh, and then in two, in 2000, uh, when women's povo was in the Olympics for the first time, it was when we kind of decided to, to try it out. Yeah, and then of course you had the Olympics in Athens as well. Did that really inspire you, or were you already at that point where I'm I'm taking this seriously? I I want to be there one day. You know, a, a little bit of both. I I had a lot of success young. At eleven, I broke the eleven year old, you know, age group record. At twelve, I broke the twelve year old uh, age group record. So at fourteen, I was actually pretty close. I was only, I think, 15 centimeters from qualifying for the Athens Olympics. Wow. Uh, yeah, so I was actually, I was hoping that maybe because I was so young and the Olympics were in Greece, they would let me compete. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I think a little bit of both. At that, by that point, I, I was already jumping so high for my age that 
it was definitely a dream that I will go to the Olympics and try to win the Olympics. But to have the Olympics in Athens, it was it was one of the coolest experiences. There were people from everywhere, and downtown Athens was crazy every day. It was it was a lot of fun. Mm. I know my first Olympics just watching was London and it became a different place. It was it was like Disneyland. Everyone was friendly to each other. It was amazing. It really was cool. And, you know, when you compete in the Olympics, it's not that cool because you don't get to go out <laughs> and walk around and see all the fun. You know, you're trying to be more serious. So I, for me, Athens was the most fun Olympics. <laughs> uh, I'm sure. How? What do you do when you're at the Olympics? Are you in the Olympic village or do you stay away from it? How, how, do, you, how do you base yourself during the Games? Well, so... In London, it was a great experience being in the village and kind of seeing how everything works. So when when we were trying to prepare for Rio, I knew that I didn't want to go there too early because it it is not... I mean, there's no bad conditions in the village, but it's difficult. You, I mean, it's not your bed. It's not your pillow. The food in the... I mean, you have to realize they're cooking for seven, 8,000 people. So, of course, the food is not the greatest. So, I knew I didn't want to be there for too long before I had to compete. Uh, so, we didn't... I think we got there six days before the prelims, which I think it was perfect timing, It wasn't too long, but we had enough time to kind of figure out the stadiums and the bus system and everything. Um, I don't know. I think a little bit, it's so different. You know, London was such a different experience than Rio and everything was, I don't want to say more organized, but there was definitely a little bit more order in it. (laughs) And, And Rio was a little bit more relaxed. And I think each... Each one had pros and cons. I mean, I love... In Rio, we literally went upstairs to the third floor of the stadium and found suites that, you know, families book. And they were empty. And we just sat in a suite and watched the meat from the suite. In London, we could not even, like, move one seat down from where we're supposed to sit. So, pros and cons with everything. (laughs) Was there anything in particular you got to see at Rio that you enjoyed? Uh, We went to the track every day. Uh... I mean, I, I I love track and field. I've grown up around it. So we, I, I the only thing I missed actually was the men's pole vault because they were the night before our morning prelim. Mm. So that was the only night I didn't go to the track in Rio. But we didn't really get to see any other sports, unfortunately. Fantastic. Now, what is your pre-competition routine? Do you have any rituals or anything like that? really you know I think in professional sports at least in track and field and the way we travel and the way we compete I think you need to be quite flexible I think it's good to have a routine but a lot of times you know you miss your flight you get there a little later and you maybe you don't have enough time to do what you usually do so I think I think it's good to be flexible and every year it changes a little bit like a couple of years ago I would train the day before the meet I felt like I was activating my muscles and last year I would say we mostly rested the day before the meet and I don't know I I mean I I think I've I'm matured enough into the sport now where I realize that every competition I have it's an opportunity and it's a chance to compete and I never know how many more chances I'll have to compete so every time I go in and I have fun and I don't know. I don't really stress about it. A lot of times I do a different warm-up depending on the temperature. You know, some. I mean, we were in Doha a couple of weeks ago. So, of course, you can't do the same warm-up in Doha as you are going to do in London. Mm. 
Um, so I think I will say my ritual is being flexible, seeing the conditions, seeing what's going on. You know, sometimes may, you might be hurting, so you might have to change a little bit your warm up. So I think for me, it has been very important to be able to be flexible and still be warmed up mentally and physically to start jumping in the competition. Yeah, I know Doha very well, having lived there for six years, covering the Diamond League as well. It can be. I, I wore a suit one year. And it was it was very <laughs> wet by the end of it. Um, <laughs> difficult conditions, but things are going. Uh, did you win that event? Did I read, Katerina? In, yes. At the Diamond League, so you're yeah. winning again. I think you've already won. Was it the European Indoors this year? Yeah, correct. So you're on quite the winning streak. How confident are you feeling for the World Championships this year, later this year? You know, training, I would say that this year has gone better than ever. Uh, we learned a lot last year with changing my training and, like I said, lifting a little less, doing doing more explosive stuff. And we've changed it a little more this year again. And I would say, we've, you know, you write a plan at the beginning of the year and you never know how much of the plan you will do. And I would say last year we did probably 85%. And this year we did closer to 95% of our plan, which, I mean, it's very good for an athlete. I'm, I'm 27, you know, I'm not 20 anymore where I can just do everything that we write down. So it's actually pretty successful to be able to do 95% of what we wanted to do. And it has gone better than ever. I have been healthier than ever. Uh, technique and training and everything, it really is going better than ever. So we definitely have high expectations and high goals. And like you said, I, I started with I started the outdoor season with a win in Doha, and it was a 20-centimeter op- season opener best for me. So we, we definitely started uh, on a good note. London... It's a big goal because it's the only big championship I don't have a medal in. So I will say that I would like to win, uh, but any any medal will be a success for me. Again, it's I have medals at European Indoor and Outdoor and Indoor World Championships and the Olympics. So that's the one I'm missing right now. So I would say that I would be happy with any medal, but... My training right now is going so good and we're even kind of talking about, you know, world record attempts. So mm-hmm. I'm excited for the season to begin. You know, Doha is a little bit early. We almost have a month in between Doha and the next meet. So I'm excited for the real season to begin. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm really I'm finding you fascinating, Katrina, mainly because you seem so relaxed, but you almost seem so relaxed because all your ducks are in a row, so to speak. Everything's already in place. Um, how much of that has to do? Because, of course, uh, I've read that you studied psychology at Stanford and, and also went to ASU as well. Um, how difficult was it for you to be juggling, studying a degree at Stanford, but also trying to compete and train in pole vault? You know, the U.S. universities make it so that you can combine athletics and and your studies very well especially while you're competing for the university uh so at Stanford I had it pretty easy of course the the level of studies was hard and luckily I was always a good student so I never I didn't really have too many issues with that I I've done I've pulled since I was 10 so I've had to learn to organize my time pretty well um, it got a little harder when I went on to ASU because I was not competing for the university anymore. So they 
didn't really allow me to train in their track, so I had to oh. drive further away. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> so I had to drive. I mean, I, I moved to Arizona to train with Nick Heisong, the Olympic uh, champion in 2000, and he has his own club. So some of the days I would drive there anyways because he would be there. But the rest of the time where I just had to do a workout, I sometimes they would allow me to train at ASU. Sometimes I had to drive to a high school nearby. So it was a little harder time-wise. Um, but I don't know, it worked out. And for me, I think it was school was a great distraction. I think it's very important to be a well-rounded person. And I think when you're only doing track or, I mean, it could be anything, you know, it can be music, it can be drawing, it can be anything. I, I think you kind of get obsessed about it. And you know, one meet goes wrong and then you're freaking out about what the rest of the season or your rest of your life is going to be like. So I think for a while it was good for me that I had that other option that, you know what, if pole vaulting doesn't go well, I'm still studying. I have good degrees and and I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, I will say that it was a big change for me to not do school. I, w w I stopped school the year before the Olympics. I, I decided that it would be a good idea to try to only focus on pole vault for a year. And and it was a big change because it felt like, what is going to happen if pole vaulting doesn't go well this year? But I think because of that kind of pressure I put on myself is why I ended up doing better at the end. Mm. Um, what what are your distractions now? I know you've got your house. What what else do you do to kind of forget about pole vault for a little bit? The house, you know, the house has <laughs> been a big project. <laughs> um, my my husband actually flipped houses while we were in Phoenix too. But when we moved here, we found this house that was a great opportunity for flipping and selling and making some profit eventually. But we knew we would be doing everything ourselves and. It was a big house, so maybe maybe we started a little too big. <laughs> but, I mean, everything is going well. It's just, you know, we, we leave for a month and a half in the indoor season and three months over the summer, so we really don't have that much time to work on it. So the house is what we work on all day long, and then at the end, when we're done with what we want to do, we go to practice. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know you're a, a busy lady with preparations for the World Championships, a house to flip and everything, so we'll wrap it up here. I did have a lot more questions, but I know you're busy, but thank you so much for being on the program. Just before we go, maybe you can tell us where we can find you on social media and anything like that so we can continue to follow your journey, please, Katerina. Yeah, so on Instagram, my name is Cat. I know that you can just search somebody's name, but it's hard with my name because the full name is A. Caterini. Uh, I think if you just search Katerina Stefanidi, the, the Instagram name is Cat. Um, Twitter will be Kat Stefanidi, and then Facebook, uh, my official page will be Katerina Stefanidi. Uh, I try to post on all three, mostly the same things, sometimes a little different. So I think if you follow me on any of them, you'll kind of know what I'm up to. <laughs> yeah, looking after social media sometimes can be a full-time job in itself. Um, <laughs> Katerina, thank you so much for that. I'll make sure that we put the correct links on our notes page when this podcast goes out. Thank you for being on the program and thank you for being the best in the world. Thank you. Thank you for having me. The Best in the World podcast with Richard Parr. Yes, I really enjoyed that conversation with Katerina. I think you'll all agree that she's got 
a very bubbly spirit and, and I wish her well at the World's Championships later this year. If you're interested in track and field, maybe you want to go back and listen to my conversation only a few weeks ago with Michelle Carter, the current Olympic shot puts champion. We also spoke to Jeff Henderson, the men's Olympic long jump champion, all winners from the Rio Games. Plus, we've also spoken to Liz McColgan, the former 10,000 metres runner. Lots to learn from all of those great Olympians. We've also had many conversations with different Olympic champions. Maybe you want to hear from Matteo Tagliariol, the Olympic fencing champion. Maybe you also want to listen to the Olympic sailing champion, Anna Tunnicliffe. She's been on the programme as well. Lots of great content. Go and listen to them on iTunes. Please subscribe to The Best in the World with Rich Part on iTunes and give us a rating and review. That would really help our program. All right, that's it for this week. I'll be back next week with another Olympic champion, world champion, world record holder or world number one that we can learn from to help our athletic endeavours or just our everyday lives. I've been Richard Parr. Have a wonderful week. The Best in the World podcast with Richard Parr.